Good morning. <clears throat> Is the microphone on? As we begin again, it's always uh, very helpful and skillful to be able to begin again. It's useful to notice the kind of intention and motivation that arises. Most of us, many of us, come out of situations of uh, pressure, time demands, juggling all sorts of different responsibilities and tasks and concerns. There's all sorts of uh, assessments of how we're doing. <coughs> Just notice if that, uh, which it quite naturally will, flow into our meditation practice. <coughs> Pushing to get some accomplishment, attain samadhi. An aspiration to... Uh, Realize the blessings of the heart is is not a bad thing, but <coughs> notice if there's that pressure, that urgency, that can already start to clinch us up, especially with the word like, now I've got to concentrate. It's almost like uh, casting a spell on oneself, turning oneself into a prune. I've got to concentrate, clinch. Time is ticking. Urgency and pressure and thinking our way through things has its efficacy. But it's also led to many of us getting so stressed out, too. What we're doing in symbolically withdrawing from home. It's not hating home, judging home. Idealizing the sanctuary. But I would like to just to point to that withdrawal, getting perspective from, retreating. Very important principle in the Dharma, which the Buddha called vi- Veka. Withdraw, get perspective on, so that we then can gather, stabilize, and deepen in refuge. That which is trustworthy, skillful, safe. <laughs> it's not a 
ultimate abandoning of the world. It's allowing the world to be of our tendencies, our habits, our likes, our dislikes, urgent issues, allowing them to be put into perspective. This Viveka came into dramatic, transformative, stark relief for the Buddha in his own journey. I won't go through the whole story now, but you're, most of you probably are quite aware that he grew up in a palace, all sorts of refinery and pleasure. But even with that, it finally struck home that even with the most wonderful silks and the most beautiful forms and beings and attendants, and foods, palaces, that he still faced old age, sickness and death. In thinking Nibbana, he was searching for something truly peaceful. He studied with yogis to go and to get away from the world, into formless states, Olympic-type states, which I can't talk to you about because I don't know them, but uh, really subtle states of disembodiment that are peaceful, but there's no sensation of the body. But he came down, kept coming down. And he thought, oh, I'm coming down, oh, this, this desire, the world of form, pulling me back. So he tried the ascetic way of enduring all kinds of mortification, starvation, really becoming an expert at pain and not getting freaked out by pain. And pleasure was bad stuff. But then he almost died. When he would urinate, he'd fall on his face. When he'd scratch his stomach, he'd feel his back backbone. He'd scratch his skin, it would rub off with the hair. There's a certain amount of he had it. 10 out of 10 for effort, for a quality of equanimity that was more like a steel spring. I mean, he was even, but it was controlled. Vigor. But he was almost dead. And it it wasn't peaceful. And he had the thought, might there be another way? That thought arose. Might there be another way? He paused. He was on a track. He had a method, and he was number one ascetic. There were other ascetics that could do stuff. This guy could beat them all, so they said he's the top chief ascetic. He could starve himself more. He even made breathing a luxury. He would just stop for long periods of time and notice the slicing pains. Might there be another way? He paused, set aside this notion that if he conquered feeling strong enough, strong enough, strong enough, there would be a break and somehow he'd be free. 
he, there was that view. Might there be another way? And the memory just arose. Childhood memory. He remembered when there was a big festival, his father the king or one of the, whether it was a king or a top chief, who knows. But he remembered that. Probably speeches, some amount of politicking probably going on, celebrations, food, interesting stuff. Chatting, sounds, delicacies. Shall I go over here? Shall I go over there? He remembered that and he remembered as a child he withdrew. Viveka. Just this child. He, it's not that he condemned it, wrote a note, I hate this forever. He just let the festival be there but he withdrew to the side. He withdrew to the shade of a rose apple tree. This is a child, not somebody who has a big theory of enlightenment, big theory of what kings should do on festival days. A child withdrew to where it was comfortable. And he remembered that he naturally, with a childlike curiosity, turned his attention to the simplicity of sitting, just sitting there, breathing. And he remembered the unification, he wouldn't have had that word, but that in a festival there's diversification, multiplicity, this, that, this speech, that feeling, I don't want to talk to those guys, I don't like them, but that's interesting. That's multiplicity when he withdrew to the shade and allowed his attention just here with the breathing. That's a profound simplification. Where there was many, a oneness started to emerge, a gathering that he'd never known before. He noticed a, a bright, pleasing, suffusive, that held him. It wasn't like he had to do it. It just... And he had the thought all those years later, why am I afraid of that pleasure? That's a skillful pleasure. It's not exploiting anybody. Yes, if I attach to it and want to feel that all the time, it could lead to some problems, but I'll see that. He knew the confidence arose in him. This is the way. Between projecting our joy out to just only knowing the joy of the tastes of my favorite food, the sound of my favorite leader, music, praise, the sensations of my favorite activity. There is happiness and pleasure in that. It's temporal. It shifts. 
or the other extreme of knocking things away, keeping things at bay, just turning to this moment, this body breathing. He experienced what's called the jhana, grounded, rooted, plugged in, stable. The word the Buddha used is samadhi, unification. The cultivation of samadhi is a very important part of the path. Let's give ourselves the opportunity to allow that natural process to arise. Remembering the child wasn't, what's the rule book, got to do this, got to do that, how's it going on, not doing it very well. There's something natural in it. And it arises. The Buddha said that when we withdraw from the external, then we're directing the awareness, the attention, to this foundation of the body. And he said we, he's encouraging us to subdue longing and distress with regards to the world. You can't withdraw if one's still so obsessed with what we need, what we have to happen here, and what, what might happen, we've got to stop that. We're not absolutely abandoning the longing and distress, subduing it for a time, letting it be, so that one can ground, refresh, heal, realign with suchness. It's like in the wintertime, when the trees start shedding, oh, no, 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 you you can't let go of the leaves. That could be catastrophic. You can't let go of those leaves and flowers and... Nature withdraws, deepens, rests, restores, and flowers. As we come from the world and sit down, we're going to naturally, some of the longing and distress, some of these patterns are going to arise. We can kindly, patiently, Notice them, but hold them really lightly so that we're allowing them not to be the absolute center. We can let them come and go, let them go, subdue that and keep turning to the tactile, physical resonance of our body, sitting, standing, walking, lying down. It's still the triggers, the pulls that keep us in those patterns will keep. We just let it go and turn to the sensation. Especially remembering ground, 
Mother Earth. What does that do? This steady, supportive. From Mother Earth comes all our food. Our bodies from Mother Earth. Our living atmosphere. Our home is all intimately interwoven with Mother Earth. Including the air we breathe. What happens to the heart just to notice? Ground. It's steady. Just the pressure. The body connecting with our earth mother, our ground. And our body has an earth element. Bones. Forms. Just even moments of letting into the heart the perception of ground. Body. Wait here. Oh, but, but, excuse me, Kitty. Sorry, man. It's all fine. The ground, but the earth is burning. We, we don't got much time left. We've, uh, and you know, if we don't do something now, we're going to be. Wiped out. This is not a joke. And there's some people out there. They they won't even admit it. And those people are actually. Thank you. I'll note that. Very important. We'll come back to that. But for now, just letting those voices, urgent voices, whatever they happen to be for us, to figure something out, to plan for something else in the future, to subdue. Just let it be. Turn to ground. Sitting. Breathing. These triggers are sometimes if there's an uncomfortable feeling, usually usually it's an uncomfortable feeling and it can then trigger trying to fix it or some strategy to make it right in the future. And that has its place, but when we're on that all the time, we just frazzle our system. And that separative consciousness of the mind figuring it all out can't figure it all out. It's part of the problem. As many of us are, I was really tired uh, this morning. I love the sitting, just grounding. It's still wasn't fully refreshing and after breakfast I was still really tired and uh, brushing my teeth and then noticing how tired I was and was going to just do it really quick. I have a tooth that kind of broke and fell out but that was going to make me try to take more time with the teeth but I was doing it too quick because I'm tired and I'm going to have to give a talk. And And I just noticed that feeling and paused for a second. Didn't have to fix the feeling. Pause. And the the pattern, hurry, hurry, hurry. Because it'll be better if you go lie down. Yeah, lying down's great. I'm number one proponent. (coughs) But we don't have to project it into the future, feel that panic. Hurry, hurry, 
just pause and let it, when we pause a second, the, f- the feeling thought stream runs and deepening capacity to stay with that unpleasant feeling which is in the body. Just stay with it. Standing, my toothbrush. Unpleasant feeling. When we superficially react to the perception unpleasant feeling, then we think, oh, I've got to change it and hurry and get on to the next thing. That juices the samsara. In retreating, we're giving ourselves permission not to cut off, but just to hold things more lightly. The pattern's still there. But rather than clenching around it, I paused, listened, and steadied. The heart had a sturdy home. When the heart, the awareness, the heart, is steadying itself by being with sensation, body, touching ground. When we're standing, feet touching ground. When we're lying down, pressure. Staying with the feelings. Then one might think, oh, nothing's happening here, it's not working, I knew it wouldn't work, it works for some people, it doesn't work for me, Are they, what, what, do you have any other uh, methods because it doesn't work for me? That's another one of the patterns we just subdue, meaning we, doesn't mean to crush, we allow that thought and just stay with the feeling. Habitual mm, deflecting from unpleasant sensations, sensations that we don't so much want to be with. I'm not talking about if your hand's on the stove, you, you move back. That's, that's serious, okay. But a lot of just little uncomfortable stuff, it's not... We similarly don't hang out there, we immediately strategize or move to change the channel or to do something else. And so the thinking mind gets abstracted, dislocated from the body. We get split. In the samadhi unification practices, our thinking mind, rather than thinking essays, is moderated. It's shortened to become what the Buddha called vitaka. It just directs us. Where? Here. And then when all other sorts of essays start happening for a time, we can just note, oh, lots of essay writing here, now, sitting. One of our teachers described that as a finger pointing. It's an important training for our thinking sometimes, rather than just thinking we can figure it all out, to practice simplifying and just have one word, one phrase. How is it? That's a phrase. Notice the phrase dissolve. It's there, how is it? And it dissolves. But it invites receptivity. How is it? And then receiving the body sitting on ground. Our body's breathing. 
Uh, excuse me, Kenny, sorry, I hate to interrupt, but I mean, how should you breathe? Should you breathe this way, that way? Thank you. Yes, we can use a certain amount of control with breathing. We can decide to breathe in deep and out long. And that can be skillful. But just remember, breathing even happens when we're asleep. It's natural. It's inherent. It's life-sustaining. So I encourage us not to get again too much into thinking we have to control it. Yes, a long breath can occasionally, the Buddha encouraged the long breath to occasionally help us remember, here I am. Ajahn Chah, our Thai master, also found that really helpful. When we're getting lost in longing and distress with regard to the world, and we want to practice some viveka, some pausing, we breathe in long. Long in breath, remembering that we're surrounded by an ocean of vitality, Receive that blessing as we breathe in and then breathe out slowly, relaxing, softening the forehead, the eyes, the shoulders, the ribs, the belly, the back, the hips. Receiving. These two go together. This teacher, our dear friend Ajahn Sujito, described it as the directing thought, that thought like, how is it? Is the finger pointing? But it always is accompanied by the palm that receives. Finger pointing, palm receiving. The pointing, how is it? Interrupting the longing and distress as we're figuring this out. How is it? We pause and just receive the impressions, the sensations of this moment, and then receiving it in the palm. The palm is our heart, our sensitive awareness, so that we really receive now the feeling tone of the body touching ground, the sensations of the, where the legs contact, pressure of clothing on skin. Is it warm? Is it cold? Is it pulsing? Is it heavy? Belly? Spine. Oh, I can't really feel the spine. Even if you can't really feel it, just we have a spine. It's the most steady part of our slowly changing part of our being. The bones, the energies in the face, breathing in and out, holding it really lightly. Oh, I don't know if I'm doing it right. Just how is it? That points and then the palm that welcomes. When you're, if someone hands you something and your eyes are closed, how is it? And they put it in your hand. Then, then what do we do? We receive it in the palm. We feel its edges, its weight. Receiving the body. It's so easy to want to go into thinking about it. 
If we have a thought, it's just a simple thought, like pause, receive. Let that thought dissolve and then just let the awareness receive and play with it. When the body is the foundation, it's not the outer body, our image, which can have all sorts of opinions about it. We judge, oh golly, that we're too short or too tall or too big or too small or our skin is this way or it should be that way or views about our place in society or whether we're beautiful, whether we're ugly, whether we're so complicated. That's not... We let hold that lightly, let that go. We're turning to the immediate body as we experience what's called the tactile body. That's the body of samadhi, the body, the energy body, the sensations of earth, firmness, Hardness, solidity. Water, the cohesive element, the blood, the liquid that binds things together. Feel our heart beating. The air, the movement in the body. There is movement. No, my body doesn't move. It's moving. We breathe in. If we even stop breathing for 30 seconds and then and notice the feeling and take a deep breath, we'll notice that suffusive air element, what the Buddha called the Vayodhatu, the vibratory life-giving element, the heating radiation element. Encouraging yourself to stay with having a thought, pausing, maybe taking a few long breaths to find our body, following the breath from the nostrils down through the lungs down, and we'll even notice our belly as the diaphragm moves at the end of the in-breath and then breathing out. then we can just allow the breathing to find its own normal rhythm. Encouraging the awareness to stay with the, the feeling body, the tactile body, that's the inner body. And wherever there's a sensation, like the pressure, we can so easily the pressure of the body on the ground so easily dismiss it's not interesting, it's not right, I don't know how that's going to turn into jhana. Let that thought go. Stay with that sensation. As we relax into it and widen the awareness, we'll notice that that sensation, even of the pressure of the body on the earth, is pulsing. It's vibrating. 
Relax into it. Breathe into it. Let the awareness play. Rather than the work ethic, got to get there, got to be a success, I don't want to be a failed meditator. Remember, might there be another way? The Buddha remembered the child. In our monastery, they called meditation bhikkhu football. Because it's, we have to learn to be, enjoy it, to play with it. That means a light touch. Yes, because there's a lot of unmetabolized, undigested exhaustion, it might, it will, for most of us, take some willingness to be with uncomfortable sensation. But actually, even just in receiving uncomfortable sensation, relaxing through the triggers just to deflect away from it, widening the awareness. Already that steadiness, the heart being connected and grounded, starts to allow energy to slowly well up. To slowly discharge. It takes time, but when the awareness is directly connected to the body, and in time the whole body, the Buddha encouraged us to train ourselves to be aware of the whole body in time. We'll be working on it in the Qigong. When we do that, then there is little by little a discharging of all these patterns of longing and distress. There's a deep gathering which will naturally happen. And we'll notice something appear within that. It's coming from within. We'll notice the fullness, a joy, a brightness that starts welling up. If we're patient, being lightly, patiently, allowing of the of things to settle. We're so impressed with our thinking mind. Yes, it's powerful. But I remember God, I've been following all my views and opinions for years. It's just driven me into a lot of, okay, there's some successes here and there, but in terms of relaxing, it's always cutting me down, judging me, this, that. Getting that discriminative consciousness, what the Buddha called manavinyana, in perspective, that means learning to use a shorter phrase to direct the attention. So we're not thinking to figure something out. We have a thought like here, now, or a thought like in, out, or a thought like let, go, that you can hold ever so lightly with the breath and just whisper, let go on the out-breath, just to keep reminding that finger pointing us where to this inner body of sensation. The finger point and then the palm receives. Where, where's the palm? The receptive part is our heart that just receives the, the vibrant reality of the present. We're not creating that. It is arising. We can receive it. 
let a thought just point us. In Thailand, they use a mantra. You can explore that if you want. But hold it very lightly. Don't hold it like a sledgehammer to knock away everything you don't want. Boom, boom. But it's that finger pointing, the mantra. In Thailand, we use the, the word butto, which means Buddha, means awake. Breathing in bud, B-U-D. Breathing out to, D-H-O. Ever so lightly, it just is a thought and make sure we hear that thought dissolve. Bud, to. Or even you can breathe in quietly and just let a quiet buto. So quiet. It's just a little remembering to come back to being awake to the body sitting or walking or lying down. If you don't want to use a phrase, that's all right, but Whatever it is, use your thoughts shorter that dissolve and encourage the heart then to receive. And practice moments of staying with, bearing in the heart the awareness, the experience, the tactile experience of the body sitting, walking. So we learn to just stay for the span of one in-breath, just being present, one out-breath, relaxing, savoring, even if it's uncomfortable feeling, just being with it, so that this transformative alchemy of unification happens. The body, we're so trusting of our intelligence, thinking intelligence, the intelligence within the body is awesome. <clears throat> I'm not, excuse me, Katie Sorrell, sorry to interrupt, but I'm just, what are you going on about? Our body knows how to repair our skin. <clears throat> what about your wrinkles? Oh, come on. Get off my back. Yeah, there's wrinkles, but skin, it digests our food, grows our hair, fingernails, circulates the blood, takes nourishment from the environment, knows how to balance and move. We're so dazzled by concepts. They're powerful, but we get trapped by them and concepts divide us. And guess what? We then become a me, a refugee from the sacred ground where we all merge. I'm not suggesting a war on thought, but a learning to little by little allow thought to become a servant rather than a tyrant. That's why moderating thought, a shorter thought to direct us here to then just receive the teaching from the body. We might think, oh God, it's just, it's just uncomfortable or it's... Let that thought go and just receive the vibration, the warmth, the radiation. Like a child, breathing through it, breathing into it. And the, let the alchemy of viveka and samadhi begin. 
And just notice when there's the peeking through of the brightness, the resonance of inner joy that will start to, we're patient, especially these first few days as we're metabolizing all our triggers and reactivity. Little by little, allow the inner joy and happiness of composure, of being plugged in to arise. And as we widen and relax and pause, it will bless our being. And from that perspective, refreshed perspective, we will still return and look into all the urgencies of our life in the world. But we can't do it if we're always fighting and fleeing and reacting. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.